This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Carnivore Snacks. With only two ingredients, meat and salt, Carnivore Snacks is a clean way to stay healthy on the go with a quick and convenient meal. Perfect for travel, at the office, or even on the couch when you need that meat fix. Unlike other brands, Carnivore Snacks is light, flaky, Crispy. It is not jerky, it's a meat pastry. My personal favorite is the pork, which is light and flaky, perfectly salty. The beef sliders gives a great crunch and a perfect chip replacement. The ribeye is loaded with fat and melts in your mouth. All of their meat is grass finished, sourced from white oak pastures, and regeneratively raised. Support this small business and this podcast. Check out carnivoresnacks.com. And use code Laura East Bath for a 15% discount on your first order. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder the only common Denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk, get some vitamin D, breathe some fresh air,、uh, and, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. I'm your host, Judy Cho, and I'm with my co host and friend, Laura Spath. Hey, Laura, how's it going? Hi, Judy.、Um, so, how's your week been going? Good. I finally have been remembering to do the、uh, Tuesday buy one, get one free chicken wings at <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings. I always order Buffalo Wild Wings, but I constantly forget to do it when they're on sale on Tuesday. So, it's a big win、yeah, for me. Yeah, that's a really、week. good deal. And supposedly, they、um, cook their、uh, chicken in just tallow. So, it's supposed to be really good. Yeah, I usually get them plain and then sometimes I do like butter, add melted butter on them at home and a bunch of salt. Or sometimes I'll do a little bit of like Frank's Red Hot or a little bit of sauce with them at home. But it's a good treat sometimes when you just feel like you need takeout. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. There was a point when I was running Carnivore Cure that we were going there every Tuesday or picking it up every Tuesday. And then we got to a point where we we're just like, This is too much. So, no, this is why I need that to be part of my routine, though, because I keep ordering them on Fridays or Thursdays when it's not on sale. So, I feel like I'm learning. 
and I'm yeah. back in the routine. <laughs> Yeah, so um, let's talk a little bit about this week. Um, you know, not uh, I guess our last episode we talked about stress and how we uh, manage stress in our lives, and then so you know one thing, one big way we can manage stress is by just having a little bit of patience with my clients. Um, sometimes when they start a carnivore diet, they will initially feel good. And then they start feeling really bad. And then the first inclination is to say, this diet doesn't work. But I mean, there's a whole terminology in the medical space called the Herxheimer reaction, where basically, I think this doctor found that people were getting worse before they got better. And that's sometimes what happens, right? So like when we work out, we will first feel worse before we feel like our muscles are growing. And that's the same thing with Herxheimer or this Herx reaction, where basically sometimes our body may detox, right? And so now the whole body is kind of clearing up with toxins. And so the fat may release some of the toxins in our bloodstream, and then we can feel worse. So that's like one example of just being patient with even a diet. Um, and um, in your experience, Laura, like how is your, and it doesn't have to necessarily just be about the carnivore diet, but um, in your life, like where have you seen benefits of being patient versus, I mean, where you're not patient and just kind of things blew up in your face? I think more than anything, I have to remind myself often, even now, that I didn't gain this weight quickly. I didn't create these bad habits overnight. Like this is a lifetime of health issues that I have struggled with, or at least an adult, you know, 20 years of health issues or the last 10 years that I've struggled with certain conditions. And I have to keep reminding myself that it can take time to reverse those things. And, you know, we... I am very guilty of going on a diet on a Monday. And then by Wednesday, you're like, why am I not skinny yet? Like, this is right. not working. This is not worth it. Like, what am I doing this for? Or, you know, you you go to the gym once and you're like, why am I not skinny? But it's hard. And it's hard to keep going with that, especially when you're not seeing results, um, to just keep pushing through that. Yeah, no, I experience that whenever I go to the gym or I'm eating super clean, I'll tell my husband, I have been eating clean and working out for three days. And why am I not all skinny yet? Um, right. I did one fast. Like, why am I not? Why is all my cravings not gone? Like, why am I not? Everything's not fixed again. Right. But the thing is, you know, we see other people's stories, especially in the carnivore space where people have really quick healing. So within a month, they may lose a ton of weight or um, they say in six months, everything is reversed. And oftentimes it is true, especially when it comes to diabetes and insulin resistance. A lot of those things can reverse. Um, in your, I feel, I feel guilty sharing that sometimes. I lost a lot of weight very fast. I lost 120 pounds in 10 months. I'm, I worked very hard for that. And I don't take that away from myself. But I do feel guilty sharing that sometimes because I don't want people to think that that's the only way to do it, or that doesn't mean I did it the right way. I think that's why I struggled after I did it was because maybe I wasn't necessarily focusing on the mental aspect of it first. I just got in this like super aggressive weight loss mode and I wasn't healing the mental reasons of why I gained the weight in the first place. And so had I had a little more patience throughout or had I been more maybe not even gone slower, but just, I just don't want people to think that that's what's supposed to happen. Right. Or that that's the only way to be successful when you do that. So it kind of, I always get conflicted when I share that timeline for that reason. Do you feel that you were aggressive with your kind of healing or your weight loss journey in the 10 months? Oh, a hundred percent. 
but that's kind of, I mean, okay. that's, kind of, that's the only way I know how to do anything is, is all or nothing, which is why this has been successful for me essentially, because I don't know how to, you know, I mean, this goes back to me learning from you originally before you and I were friends, before we ever talked, the biggest light bulb moment I had in this entire journey. And I attribute so much of my healing and everything that I've learned to come to this realization to you. I don't think I've ever told you this story is the, the difference between an abstainer and a moderator and you sharing that. And I know you didn't create those terms, but you really were the first person that I saw online that explained the difference between an abstainer and a moderator. I don't know if you want to get into that at all, but, um, you know, that was a huge light bulb moment for me and everything as to why I was never successful before clicked and why I was so aggressive trying to lose weight clicked. Yeah, so we can talk a little bit about the abstainer and moderator. Basically, Gretchen Rubin, um, she has a lot of um, kind of happiness project type of books. And she talks about how there's like two camps of people when um, people are especially addicted to things. So you are either an abstainer where you basically believe in the black and white. So it's you just do better when everything is like absolutely no, right? So you can never touch carbs, you can never have candy, you can never have this and that. And then there's other people that are just better at moderation. So my husband is a moderator, meaning that as long as he knows he can have a little bit, he can totally do a diet in that way. So that's why paleo diets, even a keto diet can do well for him because he knows that nothing's kind of off the table. And for him, that works really well. But for me, if I were to do a keto diet, I noticed that, you know, the little bit of carbs every day would cause mental exhaustion. Um, and sometimes on hard days, like that amount of sugar within like, okay, one more spoon of ice cream or one more of this, one more of that. And then it leads to a, ah, today's a loss. Right. And then, so for people like that, it's sometimes it's just better to be an abstainer. And this isn't just about diet. It's anything that you tend have a tendency towards. So people that are, you know, have tendencies with shopping with, uh, with any other type of addiction, um, our world is kind of facilitated towards a moderated world, like everything in moderation, don't be so extreme. These types and that's of thoughts. Why, yeah, that's why I thought to be normal, you had to be a moderator. And so hearing that from you was the first time that I ever thought like, wait a second, I don't have to force myself to be that way. I'm not broken because of the fact that I'm not a moderator, right? I always used to joke and I still do that I have an obsessive personality because I just am all or nothing about something. I mean, I did like eight paint by numbers in about a month and now I haven't touched it in two months, like two or three months, like since Christmas. But it doesn't make me broken because of that. It just shows the difference in my personalities. And so figuring that out was a huge light bulb moment for me with food where I didn't have to try to be able to learn to moderate. And that was okay, was like this breath of fresh air. And so that's when I finally was able to start focusing on like enjoying it, not worrying about trying to fix my brokenness and just right. start really start healing. Um, and I think that's also too where I had, I was so aggressive with weight loss because that's the only way that I knew how. And so then kind of realizing that balance helped me to chill out a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's why I always go back to, you have to get to know yourself. And I know people think, yeah, yeah, I, I already know myself, you know, but the inner work is so important because even knowing if you're an abstainer or a moderator, a lot of people, when I posted that the very first time, some people were like, oh, I'm a mix of both. And when it comes to actually 
like addictions or tendencies, you really fall into one camp over the other. And you can just give examples. And that's how you'll kind of know where you fall. People who say that they're both, I think that they try to that's because they are an abstainer. And they're trying to justify that they think they're a moderator, and they still think that they can do it. And they're just justifying that behavior. And I think I did that for a lot of years. Yeah, and I I think I'm the same way. I mean, my husband, so if he opened a box of chocolate, for example, he can have it basically spoil before he'll ever finish it. But for me, the minute I open it, eventually within like the day, it'll be gone. And that's just my abstainer personality. So if I just don't think of that as food, it's just so much easier not to eat it. So that's where for me too, that has helped because even in those eating disorder facilities, they were always about, no, the the way you heal, the way you know you're cured from your eating disorder is knowing that you can eat a piece of cupcake or whatever other junk food they would give us and we were forced to eat it. And if we were able to sit with it and not be dying inside, then we're cured. And that was the only way we were cured and not fitting into the mold of a moderator. That was so hard for me. And then once I read Gretchen Rubin's book and figuring out certain personality traits of mine, it was so refreshing to know, hey, it's okay that I'm an abstainer. It's okay that I'm black and white. It's okay that I don't live in the gray, you know, that type of stuff. Um, And I think this is really important for people to understand so that once you know kind of how you function and how you're kind of wired, then you can find a diet that's better, um, will better work for you. Yeah, I think I, I've tortured myself so many times just watching a coworker eat like two bites of a donut or a half a cookie and they just set it on their napkin and they never finish it. And I can't even focus on the meeting because sometimes I'm just screaming in my head like, finish the cookie. Like it makes me insane. I don't understand how people can, can do that. And even when I'm not eating carbs, just watching somebody else moderate that drives me insane. So I totally get it. There's a lot of freedom in understanding what you're capable of. And yet it's easy for me to never eat that cookie in the first place. But I I couldn't stop without the whole package if I had the one. You know, there's a lot of people in this space where it's easy to compare, right? So we all, that was one thing. So when I started Carnivore 75 Heart, that was one of the rules. And I knew this because I'm so mindful because of the whole eating disorder therapy. People compare so much. So in these therapy places, they do not let you bring magazines, you're not allowed to bring, um, you're not allowed to show any skin, you're not allowed to bring any magazines or any triggering body types, because the natural inclination is to compare, right? That's just, we're wired that way. So we're competitive in that nature. And so I knew that if everyone started Carnivore 75 hard at the same time, and if people took before and after pictures, if someone all of a sudden lost so much weight by the end, which that was not the goal of the the challenge, then people would get down on themselves, right? Saying, why didn't I lose that weight week two or week three or whatever it is. And so that's why I was so hard on the rule of no pictures, because I didn't want the comparison. And I didn't want it to trigger someone to just give up on the challenge. Um, I don't know if it really helped because I never got that feedback. But that's something I do see in the space, right? So when people start a diet, um, they say, well, so and so did it for three months and look at how much weight they lost. Why didn't I lose that weight? Right. I think, I don't know if you see that in the space, but I see it a lot in the, you know, if I randomly will go into a Facebook group um, in a carnivore community, I'll see that a lot. I think there's a balance of it though, because I do think that people need that encouragement and maybe this is me justifying my own postings of things, but I think that I hope that it gives people encouragement, but I do want people to understand there's a reality of it from how you're 
like how aggressively you're taking it. Also, where your healing needs to come from, what your issues are, like what needs to happen in your life, how old you are. Like a lot of these things matter what other health conditions you have. And so, you know, I always want people to feel hopeful that dramatic changes can happen. But I think the timeline does make it hard sometimes because that's where people are comparing those results. And I think that that's where people get frustrated and jump to the next thing, right? Or try something different or lose that faith. I am somebody who could stall out for two weeks, three weeks, a month and not lose a pound. And then all of a sudden, like, I swear I only lose weight. I said this recently. I only lose weight once a month. It's like the week after my cycle, I can drop four pounds that week, but I won't lose weight for the next 30 days. And then in about three days, I lose four pounds. So even if I'm doing the same thing, I'm keeping up my same routine. I have my no activity that I always do. (laughs) And it's just like once a month, I just drop that weight, but getting frustrated because you haven't lost weight in 26 days or whatever it is. And having a cheat day, which I've done my entire life previously to this, you know, recent times wouldn't have helped. I have, that's where the patience comes in and that's where you have to be consistent. And that's where I try to encourage people that, getting frustrated and jumping to whatever the next thing is or convincing yourself to have a cheat day is only going to stop what's right around the corner, the healing that's right around the corner, the weight loss that's right there. What's what's through the hard part that you're in right now? Yeah. And I think your share is different, right? So yes, you shared a a moment in your time where you lost a significant amount of weight, but then you've also shared about your struggles and, you know, trying to lose weight in a healthier fashion or a more patient fashion. And then just all the struggles in between, right? Whether it's loose skin, whether it's the struggles of peanut butter, like you mentioned last year, whatever it is, but at least you're more candid. Whereas maybe if you just see one person's post of like, here's my year journey. And, and I do see people say, well, it wasn't perfect, but um, I do have all this healing. I do. You're right. I do think people get motivation from it. But then I think it also it's like a it's like a slippery slope where it's like it can help you. But then for some people, it can also discourage. So I guess it's just finding that right balance. But I I would say when people see other people's journeys, like you brought up, just remember that not everyone's story is the same, your medical history, your age, your disposition, whatever it is, is not going to be the same. And so especially from a healing journey, um, it takes time. I think the clients that I've seen heal the best are the ones that are the most diligent and like listening to my protocol. But then it's also the people that do it the longest. Like that's the other kind of marker I've seen. And I've seen a lot of people within even six months change diets, um, whether they add back carbs or um, they decide that, you know, carnivore isn't as ideal, you know, whatever the reason is. But I just wonder if people were more patient. And I know that's really hard in our type of um, society. I wonder how much more fruit they'll bear. Or meat they'll Oh yeah, (laughs) we don't encourage fruit, Judy. Come on, get with. (laughs) Okay, sorry, I ruined your metaphor, but I totally get it. I think that, um, and that's where the hope that I find is that I think I'm healthier this time too, right? I did gain a lot of weight back last year and am losing it again, but I think I'm more mentally, I'm in a better mental place now, and I have a better understanding of like why that happened and where I'm at now from it. and then hopefully this time, you know, I'll be be able to be more consistent. And I'm still figuring a lot of this out as we go. I still need to work on my forever and and what that looks like. So we'll see as time goes on. I think we're all going through our kind of healing journey, right? So 
there will never be an end point, but it's just as long as we're striving for better, but just having the patience. So I think on one of our last podcasts, we talked about how if you're stalling for two weeks, that's not a sign that this isn't working and just to give up. I mean, we are in a society where everything is now we are um, just, you know, we at a click of a button, you can order stuff, you can get food delivered and all these other things. And we and even with social media, you get um, live updates immediately. But when it comes to healing, even when it comes to real weight loss, that will be maybe forever. It's better to just uh, practice patience. And um, I mean, like for you, Laura, what is the real difference of the first time you did rapid weight loss versus like this time? I know one is like your meal meals, but what what else are you doing differently? You think? I think last time I tried, or the first time, I just did everything and more of everything. I did OMAD before, and I could do that now. Um, I don't think that was, I think I just thought like fasting is good. And so I did a lot of that. I thought I added exercise and I thought, okay, I'll just do more of that as well. I also ate leaner meats at the same time. I didn't add extra fats. I also, you know, focused on a lot of other things, right? So everything else that I was doing, I just did more and all at the same time rather than taking it a step at a time. I also was not focusing at all on the mental aspect, but really just be, that was my only goal, my only focus. All I really cared about was losing weight fast. Um, And then once I got to that low point, I didn't really know what to do. Like then I didn't know how to slow down, I guess, Mm -hmm. or I didn't know how to stop being that aggressive with the weight loss. And so now I still fast. I still do OMAD sometimes, right? I do two meals a day now as well. Um, I probably should exercise more, but I don't do all of those things at the same time with intensity. I've taken those different levers and adjusted the intensity and um, really just tried to to back off a little bit. I also have to realize like what's a healthy weight for me. This is the hardest one for me. What's a really healthy weight versus how thin do I want to be? And I think that my loose skin, especially like I just thought if I keep losing more weight, my loose skin will go away. If I fast more, my loose skin will go away. If I'm just like, maybe the problem is I still need to lose more and then my skin will reduce. And I got so obsessed with trying to get rid of all that loose skin that I really just got too thin. And that's when, you know, that's the time over my journey when I had the, had the hormone issues, um, and stopped having my cycle for a little while. And it was really because I was doing all of those things. And I got so thin, uh, at the same time. I mean, I had gone from a size 20 to a size two, four. I mean, that's like, I I don't know how I got to that point, I guess. Um, well then I went all the way back up, (laughs) not, not all the way back up, but then I went up quite a bit again. And so now I'm in this place where I'm really back down to a healthier spot. I'm not, not as thin as I was two years ago, but I also don't necessarily know if that's the place that it is. And I'm trying to this time I'm trying to do things slower. I'm trying to not be as aggressive and just see what happens over time. And if I lose a pound or two over a month, great. And I just want to keep doing what I'm doing and see what my body naturally wants to do and not try to force it to be a specific weight that I think sounds good. You know, like I have to stop worrying about the number or the size or the look and realize just what's healthy for my body. 
Yeah. And I think that's where the symptoms really matter. So if you, I mean, Dr. Elizabeth Bright, the hormone doctor says that maybe it's okay that we have a little extra fat on our bodies because that's where we store our extra hormones. And that's where, when we are in a stress state, that's where we'll use them. Um, and I feel the same way. So I think my BMI is very normal weight, but, and I know there's people that don't agree with the BMI, but you know, I'm a normal weight, but I mean, it's much heavier than, or a few pounds heavier than I would want, but I think deep down my body might want to be here. And I, I would want to say that this isn't right. And maybe it's that I need to work out, but I think deep down it's okay if we have a few extra pounds because this might just be our health as long as our markers, um, our blood, blood draws or whatever other markers we use look normal. And we have consistent sleep cycles. We have consistent periods and that type of stuff. Then maybe this is the weight that we're supposed to be. And we don't have to always strive for like the model look, right? Um, I have to be honest with myself and say, am I doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing? Am I being consistent? And is this the weight that I am? Am I eating nuts and cheese and pepperonis and too much of that stuff? That's, that's why I'm not losing weight or that's why I'm gaining a little bit. Or am I like, I, that's where I have to be honest with myself and kind of check in and say like, am what am I doing that might be causing those things? Or is this just what my body wants to do? Yeah. Um, and it, it, there's so many factors for weight loss. Um, sometimes it's hormones. Sometimes it's just, like you said, it's certain foods that are causing us to stall, but again, it just goes back to, you have to be patient. So I always say, I know we say try carnivore for 30 days. I think it's better to say a hundred. I honestly think it's better to say six months because that's when you can fine tune, you can figure out some of the digestive issues and that's where you can see if you're really healing. Most of the people that come to me, they come to me around the fourth or fifth month mark where it was improving or their diet was improving their symptoms. And then all of a sudden they're having a dip. As I work with them, you know, there are areas that they can heal and it's just, it requires patience. Um, There's some people that after one month, I'll be really honest. And they're like, your protocol isn't really helping with my weight loss. And I'm just like, in my head, I'm like, yeah, because I'm not a weight loss coach. Right. I mean, but it's other areas may be working. So it's not easy. I'm very impatient as a person myself. I get it. I mean, I worked out two days and I'm like, where's my muscles? I should have muscles by now. Right. So I get it. But I mean, you know, I was just listening to um, a message and someone was talking about how um, Abraham Lincoln, he uh, ran for six elections, I guess, wherever he ran it for, and then he lost. And if he hadn't run the last one, which was for the presidential election, he would have never been the president, right? And that made me think about in my business world where um, the guy that created the Dyson vacuum company, he had over 5,000 different vacuum prototypes, took over 15 years. And had he just given up even at 1,000, 2,000, I mean, maybe his was excessive, but eventually he found a billion dollar business. And so it just, yes, there's a point where maybe the diet really isn't working, but it's just have some patience, you know, and like you said, really check in with yourself where, you know, are you doing all you can? I'm starting to really believe that people need to work out on carnivore. This is another dogma that we came into that I believed, right? So one was supplements. The other was you don't ever need to work out. You just can eat all the meat you want. I totally don't agree with that now. So I think that everyone should work out. Now, I'm not saying be like a um, tax your adrenals and work out like crazy. I'm not saying that at all. But I think you should get your heart rate elevated at least three times a week. I do think that. With like walking or you're talking lifting or what, what do you mean by that? 
So walking won't be enough. Um, I do think walking is really important. So I think walking at least five days a week, even if it's 15, 20 minutes. But I think ideally, um, just getting your heart rate elevated where you can feel it on your neck, you know, just getting it up where your your heartbeat's kind of beating fast. And um, you just have a little bit of cardio exercise to just get the heart kind of pumping. And the reason I think that is because a lot of our limps, um, they only will move um, if you jump and if you do jumping jacks, right? So I think if you did like 20 to 30 minutes, three times a week, I think that'll be ideal. And I think we again, come to this place where we're like, we don't need exercise on a carnivore diet, like everything is just meat and water type of thing. But if you think about all the influencers that are pretty cut, um, that are, you know, have like great physiques, they all one commonality is they all work out. Yeah, you're also able to have a little bit more flexibility in what you do. And you don't have to be so obsessive about your food, when you're incorporating a lot of those other things as well. Well, so one thing is that fat, I, I don't know if it necessarily slows it, but it's a slower process to digest fats. And that's why we're fuller for longer. So if we know that we're eating a lot more fats, especially if you're eating a high fat version, ketogenic version of carnivore, then it may be beneficial to do a little bit of exercise to speed up the metabolism. There's just so many benefits of exercise. Even just like muscle strength. I know like our friend Mary always talks about the fact that she wants to be strong when she's older and like (laughs) she's not going to be one of those people who's like old and hovering over a walker and not able to get out. Like she is a badass and she's like strong and what you know wants to make sure that she uh, ages with strength and power and I, I respect that from her so much yeah I mean I always think about my grandma how she broke like her she didn't break her full hip but she kind of fell on the stairs and then she broke part of her hip bone and had she had muscles and had right. she been eating a lot of meat because I didn't know she was diabetic and instead we we're feeding her fruit and avocado smoothies and thought that was healthy So she broke that. And I always think had she had muscle around there, she probably would have not then died from that. And had she not been in the hospital and then not been eating, but if she just had muscle, right? Like that's why we break our bones when we're older. It's not because our bones are more brittle. I mean, they are technically, but if you just have enough muscle around it, you won't break your bones. And so that's where I think it's really important even to do heavy lifting. I just think it's better for your mental health. I think it's just good all around. And so that's one thing I've been trying to incorporate more is exercise. I wasn't a big advocate about that before. I used to tell my clients just walk every few days. I'm totally fine with that. But really, um, I think you need more exercise than that now. I really you, do. You just called me. You said you need more exercise. You just called me out directly. I felt Oh, that did too. I? No. <laughs> you said, I think you need more exercise. I could yeah. tell you were talking to me. No. For real though, I think I like I said, I got super obsessed. I was taking four or five weightlifting hour long, crazy classes a week. Um, and going crazy before I got super into it, which I mean, I think for some people can be healthy. I just got a little too crazy, but then I used the excuse of everything getting shut down to completely take it away and have none of that whatsoever. And so I, I do, I agree. I need to get back into that. Um, but it's too overwhelming for me to think of going back to exactly where I was. And that's where I think when you're just saying like, we have to be patient, like, okay, well for what I I'm too impatient to be patient. I can't do that. And that's where I, I do so much goal setting. We talk about, I have to think about what is my goal for tomorrow? What's my goal for this week? What's my goal for the next, for the weekend? You've mentioned before, like writing a letter to your future self or setting something out for 30 days and figuring that out. If I have to talk about, 
I'm going to get back into the gym and make that a regular thing again. That's just so overwhelming to me. I just can't even do it. I'm not, I'm just going to sit on the couch, but to say one time, I'm just going to go one time, pick a day, go once. And then after that, worry about the next time. And then to me, that seems so much more manageable. It's kind of how I have to deal with everything. Yeah. You know, what's funny is uh, as much as you're saying you're an abstainer, it's it. what sounds like, um, was that you went through kind of an abstainer period where you were very black and white with the working out, with the the fasting, with the carnivore diet. And then now you're almost in a moderator kind of role where you're balancing everything. So it's interesting. Um, I, I do think people tend to transition a little bit into the moderator in terms of maybe balance of like how you diet and stuff. Um, and I think that's smart. I think with the exercise, just being realistic, instead of trying to trying to tackle everything at once, that absolutely becomes overwhelming. I mean, I used to be a gym rat. So I would go five to six times a week. And I was so scared of building all this muscle, I wanted to be like the tall, lean type of model looking look. So I would just do tons of cardio. And then I would swim and I would do all that. And I would never lift weights. And, um, and so I haven't gone to the gym in a while, especially because of COVID. And I finally just went back. And the first workout was so hard. Um, and I was like, oh, is this my adrenal stress? Right? And I started questioning myself and then like putting my own, oh, am I taxing my adrenals and stuff? But it's ridiculous when I think of that. And so I did a smaller workout than I ever would have. And then I went a few more times. And it's like, I'm back to kind of just exercising normally. And it feels really good. I think mentally, um, it feels really good. And I think I don't see a big weight loss or anything like that, but I think it's uh, I think it's important to move our bodies. And I think when we shift into this carnivore diet, and again, there's like these dogmas of you don't need this, you don't need that. I think if we were to eat a meat-based diet, but then also add some of the kind of recommendations from the outside world into carnivore, I think it'll make a lot more sense for most people. At least that's what I'm finding in my community. Are you going to make me work out when I come visit you? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'll make you go to church. <laughs> okay, that's okay. I can do that. No, um, I don't know. Yeah, we should go. I mean, I just use the elliptical for a little. So I don't. So because I'm aware of like adrenal stress, and I talked about having adrenal stress, I am not working out excessively. But you just feel good afterward, right? It's that kind of going through an exercise and then feeling better after. So I'll do some. We'll do some. Yeah, we'll lift some weights together. It'll be fun. Oh yeah, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds good. Um, yeah, so um, I th I think really the message for today is um, just have patience. Like we have, you know, even with our kids with jujitsu, my son wants to get his first stripe. And so they said one of the easiest ways you can get your stripe is um, tying your belt. And so he did it a few times. And so their response was, oh, you don't tie it fast enough. And so it's frustrating to him, right? So he could either just be like, forget it, I'm not going to get the stripe. But instead, at home, he's working harder to get it and work faster. And I see that patience is now making him even a better jujitsu person. <laughs> um, but he, he knows a lot more stuff and he can do like the ro rolling better and all the other stuff. And I think you just get it from patience, right? So the first day I saw his face, like he thought he was going to get the stripe and they didn't call his name at the end. And I saw his face drop. And I wanted to be like, why won't you give him this right? No, but, um, and, but I just see him work harder for it now. And I think that's, that's really the benefit I see. And that's, that's where patience and grit and resiliency and not just giving up is so important. That's why I always talk about win the days, just focus on winning today 
and not the long-term goal because then it becomes overwhelming, right? To say you have to go to the gym three times a week from now on is overwhelming. But if I were to say, Laura, you just have to work out one time, do 10 jumping jacks and just start with that much more easier. Oh, and imagine what, how proud he'll be of himself once he actually accomplishes that. And I right. think then the same thing for us when we push through that weekend or we push through that holiday and we do break that stall from being consistent and we don't give into that cheat day, how I feel so proud. I still feel really proud of myself when I'm able to push through or break that stall or whatever's um, holding me up at that time. And it makes it all worth it. And I think that's what helps make you stronger for the next time. It, it builds up that resilience that you have and helps you to create better habits moving forward. Yeah. And just really quickly, um, I know your mom also eats a meat-based diet, and so does your husband. How have you seen their journey and in terms of patience? I mean, were they just really consistent? Like, what was their kind of way of healing? I think my mom, more than anything, has always incorporated that. I, I wonder if she's a moderator or an abstainer because she is somebody who could eat meat. And there's certain things that she has to abstain from completely, like nuts. She gets a little crazy and I'll eat a whole jar of peanuts in a day. She's kind of like me in that regard. But she also can have one little square of dark chocolate after her meal every day. And that's plenty for her. And she can just have that one little bit. And so same thing with some avocado or some vegetables occasionally. Like she knows she would lose weight faster if she did more aggressive fasting. If she cut out that little piece of dark chocolate that she has every day. But she also realizes that those things make her very happy and she's right. not going to give up on those. So as long as she doesn't give into the specific things that are triggering her, I think she has found a balance of a way of eating and a way of living that is makes her very happy. Uh, is sustainable for her. And she she admits herself like she could be skinnier, but really is that her goal? At this point, she has so much healing that she's done and she is continuing to do that her happiness and balance and in that is is really her overall goal. Yeah, my mom is the same. I mean, she was losing a ton of weight in the beginning and then she started plateauing. I'm sure she wanted to lose maybe like 10 more pounds, but she has healed almost all of her symptoms. And so whether it was the asthma, the diabetes, or the dermatitis, or the um, just all these other things. And, and so it's a nice to have to lose the extra right. weight. But it's not enough to motivate her to, I guess, like give up some of the things that other things she may be eating or, you know, or fitting the macros perfectly or eating, you know, XYZ else. Like it's, it's, it's the balance in life, right? And for her, She's happy where she is at this point, I guess. Yeah, I think that's where the difference with knowing yourself and, you know, what's what's good for you and what's sustainable for you versus comparing. And that's where it gets really hard. And it's hard to know how to navigate that space um, and to not let yourself fall into that aspect of comparing. Let me ask you, honestly, um, if you had to stay the same weight you are right now, would you be happy? Oh. <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. But then I, I don't know, I go back and forth because I say like, I'm happier now. And I know like, well, granted, tell me I could stay the same way and eat whatever I want. Of course I would be, yeah. <laughs> but I have a hard time with that. I'm in a place right now, actually. I don't know if what I have left to lose is skin or is actual mm -hmm. weight. And I personally am really struggling with that. And Chris is not thrilled about this, but I really want to go have a consultation with a plastic surgeon more so to find out, like I wanted to get a DEXA scan I'm partly afraid I'll get too obsessed with the numbers, but I also researched and realized you 
they can't really tell the difference in a DEXA scan between loose skin and fat. And so I'm sitting here questioning, I got too obsessed before with getting rid of all my loose skin. Did I get too thin, like a low body fat percentage? So what's left on me right now? Is it skin or is it fat? I don't know. I want to know, am I at the healthiest weight that I can be? So the number on the scale to me, I don't understand how that correlates. When I do these body fat percent tests, I have so much skin that it's really hard to get an accurate picture of that. And so I want to go see somebody and I want them to tell me like, you need to lose 10 more pounds or know what you have left is skin and losing more fat isn't going to make a difference on that. And then I, then I can decide whether or not I feel like it's right to get rid of it or not. But I kind of more just want to know, like, is this where I'm stuck or can I be more aggressive and lose 10 more pounds? Is that still healthy for me? Um, yeah, that because, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I just really want to lose 10 more pounds, but I also am trying so hard to just say, is that healthy? And I don't want to repeat what I did before. I don't think there's a harm in asking just because if that'll give you kind of sanity to your mind, but you'll, I guess I would just suggest that whatever the decision is, like, what are you going to do after? So one, if he's like, it's the skin. So then is your question going to be, are you going to do surgery? Or if it's to the fat, then are you going to like, what would you change? And would it be more aggressive? And, you know, could it impact your hormones? So those, I think if you just think of the options, when you get an answer, and you have kind of a path that you understand you have to take, then whatever the response is won't be as much of a blow. Does that make sense? It's just yeah. planning ahead. Yeah. And that's where I don't know the answer to that yet because yeah. I don't, I'm not necessarily like convinced that I have to get rid of the loose skin. It's not really like that's parts not necessarily bothering me. It's just more me saying like, does the, is this the weight that I have to stay at because of that? Or, you know, can I lose more weight and still keep my hormones in a healthy place? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And some of it's just trial and error. Some of it's just patience. And that's what I'm trying to do right now is to just be very aware of what I'm eating, make sure I'm not eating anything I'm not supposed to be doing. And I'm very aware that I'm not snacking or emotionally eating, um, not eating things that are going to trigger me. And then I'm just kind of waiting. It's been a couple of months now and my body is slowly, very slowly, unfortunately, slowly ticking down. And so it's kind of just saying, like, as I give myself time, where does that stop eventually? And where do I stop slowly ticking down by eating a really good amount, two meals a day, still fasting occasionally, but, you know, not letting myself eat too much cheese or processed meats or uh, have any nuts or anything like that. You know, Laura, for people that are listening, what would be your, I mean, big tips? I mean, it sounds like you did this kind of all in mentality and then, um, you know, you did, you were successful in losing weight, but then it was kind of hard to maintain. And then now you're taking a more realistic approach. Um, and so what, what, what would you say to the people that are listening in terms of, let's say they're stuck on the carnivore diet or they're questioning the diet or, um, they're just having a weight loss um, stall. What would be your kind of tips? I mean, this, first of all, I'm okay with having those moments where you are very aggressive at something, to be honest. You just, you can't sustain that for a long period of time. You can't be aggressive in that way for a year. If you want to do a fast, if you want to take a week and, and 
kick things up a notch, if you want to intensify your workouts for a short period of time, if you want to add an additional fasting time, great, add that extra fasting day once. But you can't be doing that long term because I think that's where um, it kind of gets away from you a little bit. And so being consistent more than anything, you know, having that cheat day to, you know, remind yourself what your body is trying to fight. Eating pizza and ice cream is not going to help you with your weight loss goals or having a bunch of other treats is not going to help with that. So it's being consistent. It's kind of waiting to see what is your body really need, checking in and being honest with yourself. Like, am I doing things that are holding me back? I always believe in like a really good 24, 36, 48 hour fast just to like give your body a break do that once and then go back to being consistent and give it time, give it 30 days or more than that before you make any decisions about it um, or try to do something that aggressive again, right? Like almost like a spurt of, of that and then go back to consistency. If you have a kind of consistent regimen, and for me with my clients, it's oftentimes like a high fat carnivore diet with moderate protein. And then on days that Either they will then incorporate some working out to kind of burn some of the calories or um, or they can do a day of like no really added fat. So the calories overall are lower. But in essence, you're doing some days that it's not the norm. But in general, you just have to be consistent. And I see that's a way that a lot of people heal. And then also just, you know, we've talked about stress a lot, but the stress one is huge. I think people really just need to have patience, even if you're frustrated in a diet, like that'll show up and manifest as stress in your body. And then by the end of the night, you might just go screw the diet, I'm just gonna eat whatever I want, right to take care of that stress you're having, of just being frustrated by being like stalling on a diet. Yeah. One of the reasons I think that we decided to do this podcast as audio only is that we want people to get outside. We want people to listen to this, put on some earbuds, go for a walk, breathe some fresh air, you know, remind yourself, write down some goals, like go do something else, multitask, maybe do a little workout at the same time, like be active. Yeah. And so you do those things and uh, set some goals for yourself and, you know, work on that consistency. We'll end with this, but I really think about all the people that were struggling with COVID and they were really scared. And so they kind of isolated themselves from everyone. And then what happened was, you know, they let's say they got COVID and then they were isolated dying. And I every time I think of that, I think of, well, if they just stayed with their families and loved ones and they took care of themselves and they were patient with like healing, maybe they would have been able to have one or two extra moments with their family before you know, getting taken over by COVID. And knowing that, I just hope that people really take their health into, you know, really into their hands. And it's not just always about weight loss or the fastest diet that will give the ultimate, you know, results in 30 days. I know we're driven that way. But if we can just look at a diet as more of a healing journey, and that the weight loss will come, the healing will come, then, you know, then so much healing can be done in that um, in the end, I mean, happiness can be achieved. Thanks, Judy. All right, guys, if you guys like this episode, please make sure to share, um, share on social media platforms. And also, if you enjoy the podcast, please make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And that is how we know we can um, continue doing what we're doing. All right, guys, um, we will see you guys next week. Thanks. Bye. 
Thanks again for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. This will help us reach more people. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura Eastbath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. <laughs>